to The People's Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on nutrition, health, and medicine. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast, where every week I am arming you with the latest scientific findings and evidence. For every episode I bring to you, I am reading dozens and sometimes over a hundred studies just to bring you the most up-to-date and full coverage information. And this week, we are covering an intriguing and thought-provoking topic. That is CRISPR gene editing. You may have heard about CRISPR gene editing in the news, particularly surrounding the ethics of editing our genome. In my opinion, I think CRISPR gene editing has the ability to revolutionize medical research in order to create new treatment strategies. But what does CRISPR gene editing mean for the future of medicine? Can this gene editing technique really result in designer babies, super soldiers, and cure genetic disease and cancer? If you're interested, then keep listening on to find out. First off, let's talk about what CRISPR gene editing is. CRISPR is an acronym that stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. And you're probably like, okay, Stephanie, what does that even mean? Well, in truth, that acronym basically explains how CRISPR edits a gene. What is really fascinating is that CRISPR gene editing is not something that scientists concocted in a lab. Can you believe that CRISPR gene editing naturally exists on this planet? and actually is occurring in all of our bodies right now. You see, CRISPR gene editing naturally occurs in some bacteria. For example, in the bacterial strains Streptococcus pyogenes and Staphylococcus aureus, which a lot of us carry around on our body. In order for these bacterial strains to defend themselves against other pathogens, such as viruses, they naturally employ gene editing as a way of record keeping, so to speak. So let's say a virus tries to invade a bacterial population, the bacteria will defend against the virus, and they will use CRISPR gene editing to clone a part of that virus's DNA into their own bacterial DNA, so that next time the bacteria can recognize the virus and defend against it. Now, a brilliant scientist named Jennifer Doudna at UC Berkeley is credited with determining this gene editing mechanism in bacteria. And other groups, including the Zhang Lab at Broad Institute of MIT, have taken this natural editing in bacteria and made it usable in research and medicine. Isn't that amazing? I think that's one of the coolest things about science. It's how we can use the brilliant biology that already exists in nature in order to find new treatments. There are even some scientists, such as Ian Slaymaker, for example, that explore the world for unique bacterial strains to see how we can utilize their natural defense mechanisms in order to benefit our own health. So how does CRISPR gene editing really work? Well, in brief summary, CRISPR really has two components. One component is called Cas9, and that's a protein that is responsible for cutting the DNA. The second component is called a guide RNA that really tells Cas9 where to cut along the genome. Here, when the gene is cut, it can either cause the gene to not function anymore, or we can insert a template of DNA to either fix a genetic mutation or to code for something completely different. Our genome is really like computer code in a way. It is read and translated into something functional. Like the gene encodes the color of our hair, for example, or how tall we are. So if we can edit the genome, 
you can really change anything. Now, this concept might frighten some people, but I think that it is absolutely fascinating and holds so much potential. But in truth, maybe to squash some of the fears of people, our ability to edit genes has been around for a really long time. We have used techniques such as Talin and zinc finger nucleases to edit genes. But the difference with CRISPR gene editing is that it's just more efficient and fast. With older techniques, it would take us maybe a year to develop a genetic edit or a model. Now with CRISPR gene editing, we can accomplish this in a few weeks. So as scientists, we can now use CRISPR gene editing to edit almost any gene, whether that be based in plants, animals, or humans. But you might be wondering, why do we want to even edit our genes? Well, there's many reasons. The first being, for example, if we can model a genetic mutation, then we can study it better. For example, we can model the genetic mutation that exists in people living with cystic fibrosis. We can model this genetic mutation, for example, in cell culture or in animal models like in mice in order to understand the disease better and in order to find new treatment strategies. What's even cooler about CRISPR gene editing is that we can edit multiple genes at the same time. For example, some conditions such as schizophrenia are the result of multiple genetic alterations. Now, I had published a paper in the journal Neuropsychopharmacology last year describing the utility of CRISPR in modeling multigenetic conditions such as schizophrenia. In the past, multigenetic conditions were really hard to study because we couldn't model them. But with CRISPR gene editing, we may be able to finally pinpoint which genes are involved, model them in cell culture in mice, and propel the field forward in order to find better treatment options. A second reason why we may want to use gene editing is to directly use it as a therapy. There's a lot of research looking to see if we can correct genetic mutations that people may be born with or to genetically alter cells in order to cure a disease. And I'll be speaking a little bit more about that in just a minute. The third reason CRISPR gene editing can be used is, for example, to alter crops and plants. Now, if people, for example, don't want to eat fruits and vegetables that are exposed to pesticides and insecticides, crops can be edited to be resistant against pests and insects so that these chemicals are not required. Now, some people may not be okay with genetically editing crops, but it could be argued that as our population grows, our crops and farming may need to be made more efficient with crop engineering. So that is just a few examples of how scientists are using or plan to use CRISPR gene editing. But really the biggest and most fascinating use of CRISPR gene editing right now is to research technologies against cancer. So let's jump into some of the studies using CRISPR and what results have come about. Last year in the journal Science and Translational Medicine, Reisenhagen et al. had published a fascinating study looking at using CRISPR gene editing to kill metastasized cancer cells. Now, one of the major treatment hurdles of advanced stage cancer is localized and distant tumor cell metastasis, meaning that the cancer has spread. So when I say metastasized cancer cells in the rest of this episode, I mean cancer cells that have spread, that have traveled away from the original tumor and are now growing in another part of the body. Cancer metastasis is characteristic of late-stage cancer. A few years ago, it was discovered that cancer cells that travel from the original tumor site to metastasize elsewhere actually come back to the original tumor site in sort of a self-homing mechanism. So scientists are using this self-homing mechanism in order to try to kill off not only the metastasized cancer cells, but also the original tumor. Reisenhagen and colleagues used CRISPR gene editing in mice that were living with cancerous tumors. 
they resected or surgically removed the tumors from the mice and genetically edited these cancer cells to express secretable death receptor targeting ligands, as well as drug-responsive suicide genes. So really, in brief summary, they edited these cancer cells to become lethal weapons that are targeted toward cancer. The purpose was to edit these tumor cells so that they would seek out the cancer cells, kill the cancer cells, then respond to a drug in order to terminate themselves. The scientists then took these edited cancer cells and used them in three different models or three different types of cancer. So the first model of cancer was a milder version of cancer. So they took these edited cancer cells and injected them back into the resection cavity, meaning where the tumor used to be after they removed it, into a group of mice that have what we call surgically controllable primary nodular tumors, so a milder form of cancer. The second model they used was, again, they injected these genetically edited cancer cells, again, into the tumor cavity of mice, but in a more severe form of cancer, where surgical debulking is not indicated, so a primarily invasive cancer. The last model of cancer they tested was in a very severe form of cancer, where they injected these genetically edited cancer cells intravenously into the blood to test systemic treatment for metastatic cancer that has spread. So in the first mouse model of cancer, the milder version of cancer, with surgically removing the tumor alone, none of the mice survived beyond 80 days. But with the addition of the edited cancer cells, approximately 90% of the mice survived beyond 100 days. That's a massive improvement from none of the mice surviving to almost all of them surviving. In the second mouse model of cancer, where there was slightly more advanced cancer, with tumor removal alone, none of the mice survived beyond 50 days. Whereas with the addition of the CRISPR gene-edited cancer cells that were programmed to seek out and kill cancer, about 75% of the mice survived beyond 150 days. Again, a massive improvement in comparison to just removing the tumor alone. Now in the last and most severe model of cancer, injecting the edited cancer cells intravenously instead of at the resection site, resulted in the edited cancer cells being able to extend the lifespan of the mice by more than double. And the outcomes of this research were phenomenal. These kind of results with cancer treatment are hard to come by and are very impressive. The scientists confirmed that these genetically edited cells would not only induce apoptosis and kill the cancer cells in the original tumor site, but they also killed the metastasized cancer that had spread then the scientists could administer a drug that would cause these genetically edited cancer cells to terminate themselves. So there's no concern of what these edited cells would do in the body long term because they would kill themselves off in the end. Now the authors concluded that after this study, they envision that in a clinical setting, after doctors remove the main tumor mass, that the patient's own cancer cells could be genetically engineered with those receptor-targeted anti-tumor agents, as well as the inducible suicide system, before they can re-administer them via different routes depending on the type and clinical stage of cancer. These genetically edited cancer cells would result in killing of residual invasive and metastatic tumor deposits with the ultimate goal of improving patient outcomes. So I think CRISPR gene editing is really propelling the field of cancer research forward at an astronomical rate. And currently there are seven clinical trials underway to investigate the use of CRISPR gene editing in late stage cancer. If you're interested and want to keep an eye on the CRISPR gene editing in the clinical realm, 
You can go to the website clinicaltrials.gov where all the clinical trials should be registered. And all you have to do is type in CRISPR in the search engine. There are 15 clinical trials registered here investigating CRISPR. Now, most of them are being carried out in Beijing, China, but there is one clinical trial being, conduct being conducted at the University of Pennsylvania by Edward Statmauer. So when the results of these clinical trials come out, you'll bet that I'll be able to update you. Now, in regard to genetic disease, CRISPR has the potential to correct some genetic mutations, and we are already seeing this. Firth published in the journal Cell Reports that cells taken from the lung of a patient with cystic fibrosis could be edited to correct the mutation in the CFTR gene that causes cystic fibrosis. So already in cell culture or in ex vivo experiments, we call, call them, we can already fix a genetic mutation. Huntington's disease is another example of a disease as a result of a genetic mutation. And Huntington's disease is a neurodegenerative disorder. Yang in 2017 reported that they also could fix the genetic mutation that causes Huntington's disease in mice. And they said that they were able to attenuate this neuropathology. So I think there is a great potential in using CRISPR gene editing for genetic disease as well. And right now there are clinical trials looking at using CRISPR to treat a genetic disease called beta thalassemia. Now in regard to using CRISPR in humans, there was a controversial situation that occurred back in November. A scientist named Hu Zhongkui very controversially edited, edited the embryos of twins that were born to an HIV-positive father and an HIV-negative mother. The scientific and medical community has never allowed the genetic editing of embryos to be born. But Hu chose to ignore this, and his goal was to delete the gene CCR5, which aids in HIV entering and infecting a cell. By deleting this gene, his hope was that the twin girls would be born without HIV. Now, this was highly controversial, as no editing of babies has ever been allowed. Although human germline editing has been done in the past, the embryos have never been allowed to develop to full term. The CRISPR gene editing technique, although it is very promising, is still in its infancy, and data is still emerging on the potential for off-target gene editing, meaning that other genes beside the one that we're interested in may be edited and could result in side effects. Now targeting the CCR5 gene here has also been widely criticized as there are effective antiretroviral drugs that are proven effective in reducing HIV transmission in utero. The international response to this experiment conducted by WHO has resulted in widespread condemnation and criticism. I mean, the Ch Chinese Academy of Medical Sciences and the Chinese Academy of Engineering called attention to the prohibition of genetic man manipulation of human gametes, zygotes, and embryos for productive purposes. They're also calling for stronger ethics committees and better ethical education. Now, as an update on the baby girls, the twin girls were born back in November of 2018, and they were named Lulu and Nana. Today, they are older than one year old and reportedly healthy without HIV, but no other updates on their status has been released. Kironowski earlier this year published an update on Hu, who was subsequently censored by the health ministry in Guangdong where he worked and was fired from the university. He's been banned from participating in any science. He's also looking to criminal charges for forging ethical documents, for potential coercion of the participants, and for fabricating some of the results. It is clear that the scientific and medical community are not in support of genetically editing the germline, 
And there are consequences to such actions. So if people are fearful of CRISPR gene editing making its way into uh, the germline, there are a lot of measures being taken right now in order to avoid that in the future. So here we begin our ethical debate. So what I'm about to say about CRISPR gene editing is my own personal opinion. The CRISPR gene editing slowly making its way into the clinical realm, people have expressed concerns of this editing going too far. I think for the most part, people seem to be okay with using CRISPR gene editing as a therapy for cancer or genetic disease in adults. But for example, the fear is how much further are we going to take this? Are we going to make people taller? Can we make them smarter? Can we generate the perfect designer baby? I mean, right now, I don't think we have the ability to do this. There's still so much we do not know about CRISPR gene editing or what the function is of some of these genes. And we also don't know, for example, as I mentioned earlier, the off-target effects where a gene that we're not even interested in may become targeted as well by this technology and have potential side effects. But I can say that the scientific community has put in place measures for ethical use of CRISPR. If it's not used ethically, there are severe consequences. At the same time, can play devil's advocate and say, in my opinion, we can't leave, live in the fear of what if. Let me ask you, are you willing to forego any advancement in medicine because of what could be? Have you ever seen how difficult it is for someone to live with cystic fibrosis or end-stage cancer? Because if one of your loved ones have to, had to live through this, I bet you'd be willing to try anything to help them. But let me also put this into context for you. We have been able to edit our genome for a very long time. This isn't something new. CRISPR is just a faster and more efficient way of editing our genes. In order for our world to advance and become smarter, we have to be open to new technologies, and that includes CRISPR gene editing. So what are your thoughts on CRISPR gene editing? I personally think this technology shows a lot of promise for cancer therapy and for correcting genetic mutations. In my lifetime, I think we will see its use very effectively in the hospital setting. So all right, everyone, that is it for this week's episode on The People Scientist. If you want to connect with me or share your thoughts on this topic, I'd love to hear it. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. All you have to do is search my name, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri. That's spelled C-A-L-I-G-I-U-R-I. If you like the show, then make sure to hit that subscribe button and feel free to leave me a review to let me know what you think. So until next week's episode, I hope you all have a super healthy week. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates.